The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. We are coming to you live for a change. I feel like we've been doing a lot of recorded episodes and a lot of guests, but it's just us here today. So yeah. thanks for joining us. Yeah, we got rid of all the dead weight. <laughs> Stop it. You know, I was just thinking with that intro with our quirky dog music there that uh, we went to see Chrissy, our producer, this past week singing. Yeah, And she true. is such a great singer. I was thinking she should sing some lyrics over our quirky dog. You know, Katie oh, said that, too. Katie said that, that, too. Our animal control officer guest, her and her boyfriend, went with us to watch Chrissy singing the acoustic version I don't know. She did some big bar night a few weeks ago, and uh, we were there. It was amazing, and she said the same thing. So maybe we should look into that. The bar was packed. Thank you. (laughs) All right. These these ethnic men—they really go for it. I guess we're switching it it up. I guess we're switching (laughs) it up. Today we are going to talk about the topic: is please treat your dog like your kid. And that sounds a little bit crazy. There's a lot of backlash with this fur mom, fur dad, fur baby nonsense. What's a backlash? Well, people are always like, you know, don't treat your dog like a kid. You know, before we get into that, I want to talk about. We had Father's Day oh my this God. past week. We'll get to the quirky tip. We're a little off. Oh. We're a little off schedule. Go ahead, talk about your Father's well, Day. Are we doing the walking stick or no? Yeah, and then but you can do your Father's Day first because I know it's important to you. Okay, well I got this Father's <laughs> Day card and I just had to share it on the podcast because it really it it just got me right in the heart. <laughs> oh God, he's welling up. He really is. So this is from my boy Jimmy. Jimmy brought it over in his mouth. Jimmy Chu, and I'm going to read it to you. It says, Dad. I can't imagine what life would be like without you in it. But I assume there have been a lot less farting. (laughs) And then, as I open the card... It's enough on it the goes podcast. On. Oh no, it goes. There's more. Oh, there was there was there's extreme more. laughter that like that we knew this would be a big hit. And then he says, "Happy Father's Day." Oops, <laughs> Happy Father's Day. So in the same your page boy Jimmy of treating the dog like and the his kid. little little paw print on yeah, the bottom. It wasn't. So, a, a I just original. thought I'd share that with you because it it just it hit close to home. Jim and I we we spent a lot of time together in the vehicle. <laughs> So he really understands. Jimmy wanted to pick that one out for Scott. Let's do the quirky tip. Come on. Let's get in the game. What's the quirky tip of the day? Quirky tip of the day is I I actually went and climbed Mount Shakora. Yeah, without me. I just watched the house and and, uh, run along. It was really refreshing to get out in that that open air. And uh, I was going to say a lot of people had their hiking sticks, hiking poles, which is a collapsible aluminum pole. And um, it's got a handle on the top. And, uh, you know, that would be a great tool if you're out walking with your dog, if you've had any issues with other dogs that might be rushing you or you feel a need for some type of protection or a way to keep a dog away from you. I I see people fairly often walking down the street with like a golf club. And I always know, I feel like if you're walking down the street with a golf club, you've had a problem. So you feel a need to carry yeah, something, or your but a walking stick, a walking pole is uh, much less conspicuous. I mean, there's a reason to have it. It kind of helps you walk along, 
But you can use it to keep another animal away from your dog if you get rushed or and something Scott, happens. Scott liked that it was expandable because if you have you a walking can stick, it, put you're it right in your back pocket if you want. This big thing the whole time. So he wanted to buy one for the podcast. I said, wait until you do a few now more hikes. Now I can't walk until I get a stick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All the activities. There's precursors. Shopping first. All right. So let's talk about our topic. Scott came up with this one, and of course we meditate every day. And when he comes up with a podcast topic during after meditation, I know that he's been thinking about it. But it's a pretty good one. And once we flushed it out, we went with it. So, and conversely, this- a lot of people that meditate realize that it, it taps into some creativity. <laughs> and after you're done meditating, creative will, ideas will flow. I will say, Gabby Bernstein does say, keep a notebook by you in case something comes up. So it came to so him anyway, during meditation, I, I, and now we're running with it. It used to be a running joke, you know, when I first got into the business, that everyone treats their dog like their kid and how bad that is to treat your dog like a child. And uh, lately, I've been trying to encourage people... <laughs> To be as firm with their dog as they are with their own children. Really, that's what I'm talking about. Because the kids have to get up and brush their teeth and wash their face and get out the door and go to school. And they don't put that much pressure on the dog to get up and do anything. Because yeah, if no, the dog doesn't like up, it, they let the dog sleep or they we do We came this up with a lot of examples. And really, the more we flushed it out, the more it was like, huh, this really kind of is a thing. So if you're thinking about it and you're like, oh my God, like, you know, that doesn't make sense. You don't want to humanize the dog. Let's just talk about putting like the same boundaries and structures on the dog that you do on the kids. And there were a few things that came up. Like Scott, always he gets in trouble sometimes on an eval. He'll be like, you know, well, you just feed the dog this meal. And if he doesn't eat the meal, you just take it away. You know, you don't cook four different meals for the kids. And then sometimes the mom will be like, well, you know, every kid likes something different. So he does this. And then another thing that we didn't use, but it did come up is the dog sleeping with you. And we're totally into that. Jimmy sleeps with us. We have dogs rotate through our bed. It's not that that's a problem, but there are a lot of kids that are growing up sleeping in the bed more, especially, you know, until age like two kids, or three. There's kids breastfeeding until the ninth well, grade, I think, at common, this point. It's not as common. But oh. there were a few things that we were like, okay, well, I don't even know if we can say that because it's happening so commonly. So the feeding and the sleeping were two of them. But let's go through some of the examples you had, and then I don't want to overdo your examples because I have other ones, so I'll just delete them as I hear. So let's start it off, babe. Okay, uh, you didn't like the format here. I will preface this that I <laughs> he phrased all his questions. Question, I thought it was um, stupid. Paraphrase. Uh, if your dog doesn't want to take a bath, do you let them stay dirty? I'm glad we paraphrased. So yeah, but that's a good one because a lot of people. Scott's saying this, and it's true. Like you're not going to have your kid not showering or bathing for days or weeks on end. Like, you may do it in the thing. summer if the kid doesn't have to go to school or anything, uh, because there's no one else that's going to shame you or possibly have social services come to your house. But if your kid is going to a public school or private school five days a week, they have to go with clean clothes and with a basic sense of hygiene going yeah, on here. You clearly, know? animals do not need to be bathed and washed as much as humans like everything else. But a lot of people are like, oh, he doesn't like the bath. Oh, he doesn't like the water. Oh, he doesn't like the dryer. Whatever it may be, and a lot of these animals aren't getting bathed, I would say, even like twice a year. And that, to me, is an issue. I don't care what kind of dog you own or anything else. Like, basic grooming and getting the shampoo through the coat and rinsing it all out. And I really like to dry the coat, too. I get a ton of hair out, you guys, through drying with a hair dryer. Like, tons of hair. I have one hand going back and forth and the other hair dryer thing going, and I make sure every hair is dry. And that's how I do my de-shedding. It's way more effective than even brushing, even if you have a Furminator or a rake or something else. So that was an apropos example for me. Like, 
bathing should be a thing. And even if your dog doesn't like it, find a groomer that can work with your dog. If your dog is nasty, put a muzzle on your dog, have a groomer that will work with your dog. Your dog should be getting baths. I would argue at least monthly. If not, I would say every other month easily. Like that should just be a thing. And there are many, many, many dogs that we get in that have not been groomed or clients that we have that have not been groomed for years or most of their life or anything else. And it's not even the owner's fault. It's just, you need to get the dogs used to that pretty quickly. So bathing is a good one. Yeah. And even if you have a dog that likes to swim and you live near a body of water, you should make sure that dog is completely dried off. And a lot of people let that go because it's hot in the summer. Oh, the dog loves the lake. And then they dry off in the sun, but they don't really dry off completely a lot. And I say this because we had a client come in with a dog that they lived near a body of water and the dog had big mats behind his ears and there was maggots in the mats when you yeah, were cutting them out because of that so moisture frequently. and all that stuff. And just that, that neglect of going over your dog's body with your hands at least once every couple of weeks. The other thing is you may stumble into a lump or a bump that should be looked at. Yeah, Maybe nothing, but it could be early signs of some type of cancer that could be addressed quick and now it's taken care of. It's yeah. no problem. All right, you know? so bathing's a good one. What else do you have? I, I could talk about bathing all day long. <laughs> He's a big what the shower, hell else we got shower going daily. On he dunks in his ice and then he gets in the shower. All right, we talked about the uh, this earlier, but um, if your child doesn't like dinner, do you ser- do you make uh, separate yeah, we, meals for all of them? We did that. Uh, we did that one. If your child doesn't want to go to school, do you let them stay home? So this is important, and this is an I example. I would have been better off staying home, but they made me go for the whole damn time. <laughs> I learned needed, all kinds of bad you stuff. You needed to get out of the house. But literally, this is one, Scott uses this as an example all the time. Like, yes, sometimes our dogs don't like doing things, right? But if the kid cries at kindergarten, you don't then take the kid home and the kid never goes to school. Like, sometimes there's going to be this point where there's something that isn't super comfortable for either you or the child or you or the dog or whatever the relationship may be. But working through that is just a pivotal point in growing up. Yeah, and there's a lot of moms that um, cry when they drop their kid off to kindergarten. Understandably, the kid's been home with them for five years, six years, whatever, and it breaks their heart, but they do it because all the other mothers are doing it. They know it's the right thing to do. Um, they're not, I don't think, worried about legal implications of not doing it. It's just because it's the socially the thing to do. But it's not like every mom that has a hard time doing that then says, okay, I'm homeschooling and the kid doesn't go to public no, school. And no. it's nothing against homeschooling and nothing against any of these things. But consider that. Like if your dog is resistant to going to a boarding kennel or resistant to going to your friend's house to being watched, or I mean, I'm not saying everybody should do a boot camp. That's not what I'm trying to advocate here. But think of working the dog through that because it's for the dog's greater good. It's building the dog up. It's making the dog stronger. So I liked that one. And Uh, To expound upon that a little bit more, Scott always says, no kindergartner wants to just sit in a chair all day, especially when it's 65 degrees out. So when you're concerned about like, oh, but the dog wants to be active, the dog wants to be this, and he's just, you know, laying in the house, resting in the air conditioning, or you're restricting his movement, don't overthink that. Like, that's okay. Some calm is good for everyone. Uh, I have one in here that, a little bit of a gray area. Uh, is your child, uh, if your child is disrespectful to you or other adults, do you tolerate that behavior? Now, I know that there are some moms that tolerate a lot from their kids, but they don't allow that child to talk to their teachers that way. Ideally, you know, your kids shouldn't be swearing at you and swearing at teachers and other adults that come to the house, maybe a serviceman, plumber comes, they don't tell them to F off and all this kind of stuff. Uh, it's just basic, you know, Social yeah, etiquette. and I would 
I would even expand upon that a little bit too, because I was thinking in the vein of that type of situation. If you get a bad report from daycare or a bad report, you know, at parent-teacher conferences or something else from some like authority figure in your kids' lives, very rarely are you like, that person's an asshole. They don't know what they're doing, everything else. I feel like dog owners often are like, that person got too close to my dog. That vet eyed my dog wrong. That daycare worker, like they're making an excuse for why their dog acted that way. Whereas when it's the kid, they're like, hey, like your teacher said this, like you got to fix this. You, you know, you need to be on the ball here. So yes, respect is a little bit more gray these days as society is changing and everything else. But if you demand a certain level of respect from your kids to the public, you should demand that level of respect from your dogs to the public. That's just the bottom line. Yeah. I mean, in some of these, I just know that people, they do allow this because I put, um, if your child is demanding of your attention, do you cave in and give them all your attention? And I see more and more that parents do do that, or at the very least, they will give them their cell phone. You know, they're trying to talk to a friend, they're on the phone trying to do something or they're trying to deal with some kind of business where they can't give their kid attention. And the kid is just mom, 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 pulling on them, pulling on them, pulling on them. And uh, the reason the kid does that is because it gets results. They're able to get what they want, which is the parent's attention or their cell phone or money, whatever it is that they want. So it's not really a great um, example because but the kids giving, win quite a bit. Even giving the kid the cell phone, though, is something interesting because you can't just necessarily pull out a bone and go give your dog a bone. Like That was one of my examples, and we're going to flush through some more of my examples after break, but that was one of my things, like alone time, right? Like Parents often are like, go in the other room, do this, go read this book. Even handing a kid a phone, I'm not for a lot of screen time with young children, but at least then the kid is going and going away from you. Like There's alone time away from you. If the dog's like pestering you and like, I want this, I want this. And then you're just catering to the dog and petting it or letting it out or feeding it, whatever it is, then the dog's kind of winning that little battle, right? So they're going to be interrupting you more. And we're all about like giving your dog's love and everything else, but affection, we're big advocates on you're in control of it, right? It's not just this passive like petting and the dog isn't always the one requiring it. Like you are the one deciding like, okay, come up on the couch and I'm going to give you a ton of love because if the dog is always able to activate you, that can create a lot of anxiety and that can spiral into a lot of unstable behaviors. I mean, we see it a lot. Yeah. I mean, if you walk your child to school and they don't want to go to school, uh, you don't, not go to school, you know. I mean, we're you going get, back you, to kindergarten a little. Bit. I know, but you just get them. I was thinking about a dog walking a dog down the street. A lot of times, the dog just stops. Yeah, the dog doesn't want to walk anymore, so the people just stop. Yeah, and that's the end of the walk. Or they, they just, go back home. Yeah. They wind up walking back home because yeah. the dog doesn't want to walk. Yeah, you know. I mean, it's that kind of stuff. All right, think this through. We don't care if you agree with us or not. We don't care what anybody thinks. We just get up here and chat. Obviously, and we... after <laughs> after break, we're going to give you a few more examples about how dogs should be more like kids in this day and age latest from the quirky dog podcast like me and murphy here then make sure you head on over to the youtube channel and subscribe or if you prefer to listen to the madness go on over to itunes or spotify and follow the quirky dog podcast and hey while you're there leave a rating and review and let them know what you think of the show until then keep it quirky Chrissy does our intro, then Chrissy's the intro. She's the commercial. It's like she's just part of the podcast. I'm just trying to figure out how we don't have to show up anymore. (laughs) Oh, my God. He's always (laughs) looking for that. Okay. One thing that I was thinking of, um, and this is a pretty common one, and, you know, with that said, our dogs are not in crates 100% of the time or anything else, but, like, it is a legal requirement that your child be in a car seat in the car, right? Like, if you get pulled over and they're of a certain age and now it's a legal requirement that kids are seat belted in when they get old enough and everything else – 
safety in cars, right? So your kid has to be in a car seat. They have to face a certain way. They have to be in the front seat or the back seat. And then when it's the dog, they're just like, okay, wherever, it's fine. Like, you know, we talked about a few weeks ago, like dogs falling out of car windows. That's the extreme of it. But if you get into an accident in the car and the dog is loose, they can be going through the windshield. They can be a hazard for you. They can be way more injured. So safety in cars is a great example of something that we're expecting of our kids that we wouldn't think twice about with our kids, but then with the dogs, even restraining them with those harnesses sometimes are like, oh, well, they don't like, they don't like that. They don't like that freedom. Those kids, like those car seats now, like they're really strapped in there. Like it's crazy. So think of that. Whatever you're doing with your kids in the car, at least translate that to the dogs. Well, it ties in more. I think people don't really care about getting in an accident because it happens fairly infrequently. But what I hear a lot is that their dog is reactive in the car. So the dog's loose in the car, storming to one window to the other, barking at whatever it is outside that window that's getting them overstimulated. And the dog just barks for the majority of the car ride. That is pretty common. If you were able to limit their movement through either a a harness that attaches to a seatbelt or a crate or something like that, you would also reduce the reactivity in yeah, the car. Yeah, and they're just going to be safer. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Another one we both were chatting about is sleep schedules, right? So I get it. You have a newborn baby. I've had a ton of friends that have had kids these past few years. Like, it's not easy. Those first few weeks, those first few months, those first few years even, it's not easy. There's sleep deprivation going on. But Getting the kid to a sleep schedule is a goal. Getting a child who's, you know, four or five, six, seven plus in a sleep schedule, that's a goal. You're not having these 10, 12-year-olds waking you up in the middle of the night. It seems to be less of a goal with dogs. Like, it's more okay if the dog barks in the middle of the night, oh, they must have to go out. Like, people, even from puppyhood and then on to adulthood, granted, if you have a senior and, you know, the dog needs more potty breaks or something else, this is a different example. But a sleep schedule is a really good thing to think of. Like, if your dog is the one that's up and waking up the whole household with the kids, put the dog into the same type of sleep schedule that you have the kids in. We would recommend a crate for overnight. That's a good way to get the dog in a schedule and everything else. But people so often are like, oh, he must need to go out. Oh, he must need this. And half the time you wake up, the dog doesn't even pee outside. He runs in, he grabs toys and he runs around the house. So sleep schedule and getting sleep training for the animal is something that people are sometimes less prone to do. But then when it's the kid, they're like, holy crap, like this kid needs its rest. Like it needs to be awake. Everything else in the morning, things need to work out. So when it goes to school, it's rested and ready to go. Yeah. And what happens, I mean, with an older dog, yeah, you shouldn't need to implement so much structure. There should be a routine in the dog's life at that point when they're getting on, you know, in age. But with a young dog, the other thing is a lot of dogs, they get up in the middle of the night. They, they walk into the bedroom then they get up, they walk downstairs, they move around the house at different parts of the night. Yeah, and even that, you night. wouldn't tolerate from and the And you kid. would never have your yeah. child downstairs, you know, a four or five-year-old walking around aimlessly, just it's checking true. rooms out and all that stuff. Yeah. The reason the dog is uh, moving around is because quite often it's insecurity. They're just not comfortable where they are, so they get up and move. If, And that's why it's nice to maintain some type of routine, even if... Uh, ideally the crate, but if you're not using a crate, the dog goes to a room at a certain time every night and the door is closed and that's their time. They have no more options. They just crash until you tell them, hey, good morning. Come on out. Let's yeah. go, to, go to the bathroom. Yeah, but that uh, is They true. would be yeah. much more if comfortable you're... with that kind of structure because if they're roaming around a lot, you know, people, they say it happens. They don't know why it happens. They don't have to go to the bathroom. 
They think, well, you know, the dogs, we call the dog to our bedroom at night. They come with us and then we hear them get up and leave the room. Yeah. But if your kid was wandering around the house, you'd wake up and say, hey, what the heck's going on? Get back to sleep. That is a good example. Even further with sleep training. So sleep schedules, important for kids, important for dogs. Scott touched on this a little bit, but it's true. Kids have doctors, they have dentists, they have hairstylists. You can translate that to whatever you want, vets, groomers, everything else. They go to all of these things, they're respectful at all of these things, and they tolerate all of these things. And I understand that, you know, kids when they're growing up have a lot more appointments with a pediatrician than puppies do and everything else. But getting the dogs accustomed to going to these appointments, being model citizens, and working through these different things. And if it's the professionals that aren't doing a good job, then find another professional that can work with your animal. But kids are required to do these things, right? They go to the dentist, they open their mouths, they freaking go to the doctor, they get their vaccines, they get their hair cut, they sit through it. Consider that for the dog. These are just baseline things of grooming and maintenance and cleanliness. If your dog isn't tolerating these things, maybe think twice about why and come up with a plan and a solution of how you can get there. Yeah, if you can't handle it yourself, get a trainer and start working on these issues so that you can get to a point where you can do it on your own. And it's tough right now because a lot of the vets are hanging on to the protocols that were developed during COVID where you can't go into the vet's office anymore. And that's working for some offices with yeah, that said. You know, I don't like it personally, but there are some that, you know, you have to just hand your dog off and you don't know how the dog behaves in the vet. And sometimes they allow the dog to do a lot of behaviors that are really unacceptable. And uh, why they allow it, I don't know. I'm not going to even get into that side of it, but it's making the do- some of the dogs worse. They come out and then they say, well, you got to medicate your dog. Your dog is so becoming aggressive and having all these problems, so you should medicate your dog the next time they come. But for the regular a vet where you can go in, you should be controlling your dog and saying, come on, let's go in and bring treats with you. It's not, yeah. It doesn't have to be a, a big, terrible experience, and you but they need able, to tolerate. You should be able to physically restrain your dog and not in this really nasty, mean, like domineering way, but just be able to hold your dog while things happen to it. Like that is just a base level of care as far as we are concerned. One thing I was thinking of is destroying property. So if your kids are sitting there and they're freaking, you know, throwing glasses or drawing on your walls or, you know, pouring paint all over your driveway, whatever it may be, you don't tolerate that, right? Like that is not something you tolerate. However, even past puppyhood chewing, like yes, maybe a chair gets chewed or something else. There are dogs literally into adulthood destroying couches, destroying blankets, like scratching. Yeah, remote controls. Cell phones. Scratching at walls, scratching at doors. And it's just kind of like you can play it off even in these really high-end homes. Like, oh yeah, it was the dog that did it. Like, that's not okay. If the dog is destroying your property, that isn't okay. There needs to be measures taken to respect your property. You would make your children do this. It's the same thing for the dogs. That was one of the side ones I came Yeah, I destroyed a ton of property when I was a kid. And, uh, <laughs> it wasn't your property. <laughs> I had to pay for all of it. I had one whole summer. I was just working to pay for broken windows and all this stupid stuff me and my everything, friends did. Everything you learned in kindergarten. Yeah. All yeah. right. One thing I was thinking of is people do not bat an eye when it comes to a crib, right? And again, I know that some newborns or sometimes play are pen. sleeping in um, beds. Yeah, or a playpen. People do not think twice about... Of course, the baby needs to sleep in a crib. They they do not care about that or managing them with a playpen. Like Scott said, that's another good example. You talk about a crate with a dog. Some people literally look like they're going to fall over and die. Like, I'm not going to put my dog in a cage. I'm not going to contain my dog like that. I'm not going to put him behind bars. 
I really don't see a huge difference between containing your newborn in a crib or a bassinet or whatever to keep them safe, to keep them from falling off the bed, to keep them from, you know, rolling down the stairs, whatever it may be, and the dog sleeping in a crate. And this would prevent some of the property destroying. This would get the dog on a sleep schedule. This would do a lot of stuff. So it's the same principle, right? It's very common that you're going to have a baby, you have your shower, you're constructing your crib. If you're going to bring a dog into your house, whether it be a puppy or a rescue or anything else, you should be constructing a crate. That's just, it's just a basic thing to me. It, it's the same parallel. What do you mean constructing? You're going to start building a crib? What the hell are you talking putting, about? Putting it up. Yeah, you do put together <laughs> the cribs The crib's nowadays. always together. You throw the damn kid in there. The crate or the crib? The crib. It's always there. The crib does not show up at your doorstep like that. You no, have to No, but you're taking a shower. It. You don't start making it before you take a shower. Oh, my God. <laughs> before the baby arrives, everything else before the dog arrives. And he hasn't crib, had I mean, a, you, a high nicotine cigar in a the, while, so give him a second. The crib is there for a long time. It's not just a The crate should be, too. Until the kid is climbing out, falling on his head, then you're like, okay, the crib the is no good The crate should be, anymore. too. And even then, the kid's in a race car bed with bumpers or something. Like, there's protocols to make sure the kid is safe. The crate is for the dog's safety. Okay, another one I was coming up with, um, we talked about blaming others. I I do want to touch on this again. We talked about it a little bit with the kid going away and babysitting and everything else, but like a sleepaway camp, like getting exposure in these types of situations. Like if you're a parent that wants to still go out with your spouse, you're letting your kid get a babysitter. Having a babysitter come over, that's a big one. These things, different exposure for the kids and the dogs is important. Like, hey, can my dog go here for a few hours and be watched and not be mental? Can my dog go to this you know, boarding facility for the weekend and everything's okay. Yes, trust the facility. Yes, have good reviews. Yes, make sure it's an okay place for your dog. But people get so caught up with like, oh my gosh, I can't do that. Whereas like if there's a camp for five days that the kids can go to in the next state over, they have no question thinking about it. So don't limit your dog into what your dog can do and what your dog can deal with. Um, I don't know how many more I have. Oh, potty training. All right. This is a good one. I like this one. So your kid is in diapers, right? You're managing your kid until the kid is ready to be potty trained. And I know like some parents do no pants for 48 hours and that's how they deal with potty training and everything else. So there's maybe a two to three day period where the kid is like maybe urinating, possibly defecating in your house. Fine. I never heard that one before, but I know it's a You're new, not newer, a parent nowadays. Newer stuff, <laughs> I guess. I don't know how nowadays. they did it before. Um, regardless of how you're doing your own potty training with your children, The dog's potty training should get tidied up in a certain amount of time also, right? Like we do not have children who are past the age of six and seven without severe, you know, problems. I understand that some kids have different deficits and everything else that are still going to the bathroom in the house. If your dog, you're not going to the bathroom in the house, luckily. No, I'm I'm a kid with a deficit. We know that. If your dog is still doing this past the age of a year old, this is not just potty training anymore. This is becoming behavioral potty training and it's going into adulthood. This isn't because it has a poppy bladder and everything else. There needs to be some structure, some differences. There are so many clients, you guys, that have the dogs into their teens that just potty in the house. And I don't even care pee pads or not. I'm not even talking that. I'm just saying literally using the house as a toilet, getting access to go outside and coming in and peeing and pooping. The kids, we don't allow them to do this. We're not going over to the grandparents' house and they're pulling down their pants and peeing on the carpet. We shouldn't be allowing the dogs to do this either. It's something that we need to tidy up. Potty training is a big one. We expect it out of kids. We don't always expect it out of animals. And I wouldn't um, expect a puppy to be housebroken as early as quite often a lot of people tell me where they'll have a four-month-old puppy and they'll say, it was going great. The puppy was going to the door when it needed to go out, but it wasn't telling us and then it would pee on the floor. 
that's like having a one-year-old walking around that is just starting to learn to go to maybe sit on a potty. And uh, just because they did it once or twice, now all of a sudden they're, they don't need a diaper anymore. You yeah, know I mean, and, this takes time. These things and take with dogs, time. I mean, frankly, our dogs aren't going to the door to say we need to go out. We know they're on a schedule. We know what's going in, what's going out of them. If I took the dogs swimming, I'm going to be potting them more frequently because they're more full of water from that and they're going to need to pee more frequently. Our dogs are not running to the door like, hey, guys, we need to go out. Neither are the dogs that we train. They are on a schedule. So dogs, even more so than kids, the kids are making those decisions themselves and knowing you can be making those decisions for the dog if they're on a proper schedule. And I will say just lastly about that, a lot of people get the bells to hang on the door. Yeah. It's because you want to get the responsibility off yourself, I think. Yeah. It's like, oh, the dog should ring the bell when it's time to go out. And the dogs ring the bell to go outside, but they tell me, oh, the dog didn't they have may to not potty. Go the they bathroom. go out, they run yeah. around, they come in, they go out, they come in, they go out. Take responsibility for getting these dogs trained to go out and go potty when it's time to go, and you don't need to worry about all these little tricks to get them to go, you know? Yeah, 100% true. And then um, my last two things. So clothes is a side note. I'm not saying you need to put costumes on the dogs and everything else, but, you know, dogs with not a lot of hair and stuff should wear coats in the winter. If you're going to go hiking, they should have certain, you know, pads on their paws, some boots on their paws, you know, depending on how hot the surface temperature will be or something else. So frequently people are like, oh, my dog didn't want to wear that. Oh, my dog didn't like that. Oh, my dog wouldn't move in that. If you put a winter coat on your kid and your kid's like this little puffball and everything else, they just work through it, right? They just deal with it. They have their boots on. They have their coat on. All these other things, they deal with it. Some dogs honestly wear the dog, the goggles now. I think they're called doggles. I don't know, Rex specs if, or whatever. If they're in a sidecar. <laughs> oh, my God. Him and he wants to get Chew a sidecar. I'm going to get a sidecar for Stop. My dog. We already did the farting card about Chew. This isn't the Chew podcast. So... If if your dog does have like light pigment in the eyes, sometimes if they get sunburned, that's a thing. So frequently people are like, oh, he didn't like wearing that. He couldn't deal with that. He doesn't like that. He won't do this. Well, what if you just made him deal with it? Like it would be for the safety of the animal, for his paws, for his body temperature, for his sunburned eyelids, all of these other things. So consider that rather than you put something on the dog. And the classic example would be like that Elizabethan cone, right? Like you dog had surgery, you put it on the dog. You're like, oh, the dog didn't like that. Well, the counter to that is if you take that off of the dog and it reopens its surgery site, you're in for a lot more money, a lot more health issues and everything else. And the dogs frequently do then deal with the cones. They just get used to the cones. And I guess we do that because the vets recommend we do that. And there's a protocol there and it ends. But clothes are the same thing, you guys. Just because the dog doesn't like it at first doesn't mean they can't function or deal with it. And I, I would say, you know, aside from the clothes, I have people that tell me they put a harness on the dog and the dog freezes yes. up. The yes. dog will not move. Can't use a harness because the dog won't walk. Yeah. Uh, or any other training uh, tool that you may be considering and the dog just and won't I would, move. I would say if you put the harness on the dog for three days in a row before you go to feed him, does the dog not eat that whole time? Like get the dog accustomed to these things. Get the dog dealing with these things because it is to the greater advantage and protection and safety of the animal to sometimes use clothes. So clothes is a side note. I don't care if they can wear costumes or anything else, but there are some things that do come into play where it is a safety issue. My last thing is reacting to others. So uh, kids reacting to other kids, dogs, this is reacting to other dogs. So your kid doesn't have to be friends with every single kid, right? But if there is an issue, my godson's um, 
little brother. He used to bite when he was in daycare when he was young, and Jack would always call me and be real like, "Real funny, real Will, funny story." Will bited it again. No, my point is, is that the the kid would go home with a note, and there there was like that wasn't okay, right? Like there are social repercussions of that. Like, no, you cannot do that. If you are a parent and you are at the playground and your kid goes up and starts wailing on another kid or you know screaming at another kid, ideally from a parenting perspective, you're intervening there. You're teaching the kid how to deal with other kids. I don't care if your dog is friends with every other dog. That is not important at all, nor do I think it should be necessary. However, your dog should at least be neutral to other dogs. If your dog is being an ass to other dogs, I don't care if it's a little dog. I don't care if it's a black dog. I don't care if it's a police dog. I don't care what the dog is. So frequently it's like, oh yeah, it doesn't like fluffy dogs. Oh yeah, it doesn't like, you know, dogs of this size. I don't care. I don't care if it's an intact dog. Your dog should not be an ass to other dogs just because it feels like it. And it is the same thing when we're raising kids socially. If you're an ass to all the other kids, you're not going to have many friends for one thing. But the parents are intervening. They're trying to teach them. The, the school is intervening. They're saying like, hey, this isn't going well. If you watch Animal Kingdom, Pope got in a lot of trouble in school. He, he had a lot of trouble socially in school and in his academic upbringing. That was addressed. He was expelled. Like things change for these children. Nothing ever changes for the dogs. It just becomes, oh yeah, he's like this on a leash. Oh yeah, he's a jerk on a leash. This is just who he is. I don't really agree that that should be how it is. I feel as though other dogs should not just treat other dogs with respect, but be neutral. Like they need to not be reactive in such a way that they could get attacked, you could get attacked or anything else. I don't care what the circumstances. I'm not saying every dog that runs up on your dog, they should be friendly with. That's not what I'm talking about. But leash walking past any other living being shouldn't be a huge to-do. And when it is a to-do, it shouldn't be the fault of that other being. It is on you, a responsibility as a pet parent, if you will, to get that dog neutral. Yeah. And there are kids that, I mean, if a kid is allowed to be aggressive up past a certain age, like three or four, where they're really outwardly aggressive, they can grow up to be sociopathic. They can grow up to be really really messed up. They, you they know. have a different course than yeah. the kids that are in public and, schools. And They're dogs, in a different it's the same life. kind of thing where if, if a dog is aggressive and it's never addressed as a puppy, and now all of a sudden you have an adult dog that's aggressive that has more and more triggers. So there's just, the dog is just, becomes just an unsafe animal because yeah. it wasn't addressed when it was young or when it first started for whatever reason it developed, it needs to be addressed right away. Yeah. And, and got straightened out. And just consider these things. I took it to a little bit of the extreme. The thumbnail for the website of this podcast is someone pushing your dog in a stroller. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be this extreme. It doesn't have to be this for a mommy. But consider if you are a parent of human children and you also have dogs, think, am I holding the dogs the same criteria I'm holding my children to? And if you're not, maybe dig a little deeper about why and figure out how you could maybe change some things. Because I think it would be better for the whole household. I do too. And uh, lastly, getting back to the thing about the clothing and equipment, it gets back to the muzzle. The muzzle is a great thing yeah. to put on your dog. It's a good example. No dogs like muzzles. You can build uh, you know, positive experience into it by using food with the muzzle. But it's important for the sake of the dog and your relationship with them to get them to work through things that maybe they're fearful of or they just don't want to do. Because the more things they do that they don't want to do, 
the easier it is moving forward with all kinds of other things that they may not be thrilled with, but mom wants me to do it. This is how it is. That's a great example. Even if your dog has no aggression issues, you can play the cookie game all day long. And then when you want that dog to take two steps in the muzzle, all of a sudden like Hannibal Lecter comes out and it's freaking crazy. And Side note, it's a, one of the exercises in Canine Mind Shift. It's one of our free course exercises, conditioning your dog to a muzzle, and we work you through that. I hope you guys learned something here today. I know it was a little bit of a strange topic, but really, if you expound upon it, it does make a lot of sense. Next week, we are going to have one of our very good friends on from Rockport, Massachusetts, another Rockporter, Andrea, Andrea Balzarini-Lucas. We're going to do a vet tech episode, and we got a lot more in store for you the rest of the summer. Thanks so much for joining us, guys, and have a great Thanks, Wednesday. Guys. Keep it quirky. <laughs> The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.